How's it going? Yeah. <laughs> hey. So I said my name's Tim, um, and I want to just briefly reiterate that welcome if it's your first time here. It's so good to have you here. You're so welcome. And I don't know if it was mentioned in the, in the notices, but just, just to flag up briefly, it's a bit of feedback. Is that? No? Oh, great. Um, <laughs> that on um, this Saturday, we have an event called Reading Jonah, which is going to be here. And it's just a great time where, as a, as a, as a group, you'll read the book of Jonah together, discuss it. There's been a few of them before, and I've been at them. It's really helped me to, to re- learn and read in the Bible. Um, as it happens, Jonah is a guy who would really understand the passage we're going to look at tonight. He was a, a man who, for all of his faults, he really knew that the warnings of God are an expression of his mercy. And we, we're going through Hebrews, um, and there are some warnings from God in this book, but they're an expression of his mercy, and they're good for us. So, as I said, we're in a series in Hebrews. Now, this is a book rooted in Old Testament history. So, a few weeks ago, we learned about Moses, this man who led the Israelites out of Egypt, and how Jesus is better than Moses as the builder of a house is better than the house itself. And then last week, we looked at um, the life of those Israelites left, having the, after they'd left Egypt in the desert, and what we can learn from that period. This week, we are, um, the writer is sticking with that same theme. We are still looking at the Israelites in the desert. Will they enter the promised land? So we're in Hebrews 4. We'll have it on the screens. I'm going to read it out now. Therefore, while the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us fear, lest any of you should seem to have failed to reach it. For good news came to us, just as to them, but the message they heard did not benefit them, because they were not united by faith with those who listened. For we who have believed enter that rest. As he has said, as I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Although his works were finished from the foundation of the world, for he has somewhere spoken of the seventh day in this way, and God rested on the seventh day from all his works. And again in this passage he said, they shall not enter my rest. Since therefore it remains for some to enter it, and those who formerly received the good news failed to enter because of disobedience, Again, he appoints a certain day today, saying through David so long afterwards, in the words already quoted, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. For if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken of another day later on. So then, there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works, as God did from his. Let us therefore strive to enter that rest, so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, 
piercing to the division of the soul and the spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. You know FOMO. Um, it's an acronym that stands for Fear of Missing Out, though you probably do know because it's kind of the abbreviation for, for our generation. I don't know if you've ever done anything kind of dumb out of, out of FOMO, out of not wanting to miss out. You've ever gone to a, an event or maybe a, a party or something that you don't really want to go to, but oh, maybe they'll be talking about that next week and I want to be included in their stories, I want to know. I find it affects me in a few peculiar ways. Um, I, I like cooking, I like food, and so instead of doing what you're meant to do, which is to find one recipe to cook one dish, I like find nine recipes, all for the same dish, and take all the ingredients for each, because there might be like one ingredient which really makes it in one of them, <laughs> that like particular cheese, or like, I don't know, an unusual like breadcrumbs. Like, who knows, maybe you need those breadcrumbs. It's really counter-effective. Um, or, or last week, um, I wasn't here. I was, I was away. I got given uh, some free tickets to go on the train to Paris. Great. Um, when I found when I got there, I was on, on my phone on TripAdvisor because I didn't want like just a nice walk with a nice cafe at the end of it. I wanted the best possible walk in all of Paris, and then to go to the best cafe, but, but not to pay the best cafe prices. <laughs> We're all kind of used to the idea that FOMO is kind of, is kind of dumb, it affects us. You might have even heard a talk from this platform by a preacher warning of the dangers of, of living out of a fear of missing out of something else. This evening, I come with good news for you <laughs> of the one true, valid FOMO. Perhaps, if you will, the better FOMO. <laughs> Let's get into the text. <laughs> Verse 1. Therefore, while the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us fear, lest any of you should seem to have failed to reach it. This is the main point in the sentence here of the whole passage. The rest of it is like supporting evidence and explanation. So we'll touch on it, but we're really going to focus here. And my, my main point is, is here as well. Rest is God's plan for his people. So press on in. Enter it. Rest is God's plan for his people. Let's start by looking at his rest. What do you think of... Um, when you think of the word rest, perhaps you think of lazy pajama Saturdays or, or those peculiar um, massage chairs they put in the middle of shopping centers for some unknown reason. Um, when, I, when I think of um, kind of the most physical rest I've experienced in a moment, I think of this time years ago when I decided to attempt the Free Peak Challenge, that's the three largest mountains in England, Scotland, and Wales. I was woefully underprepared. I just finished an exam, so it got, you get, it's in 24 hours, you get no sleep. I didn't have the right footwear. And so, but I can remember that evening 
filthy and, and tired and cold, sliding into bed, legs aching, sleeping for like 15 hours, knowing good rest. Have you experienced good rest after exhaustion? This passage is about something greater than all of that, something greater than our rest. Our rest is like a, it's like a mangled photocopy of this rest we're learning about today. Let's look at, let's look at the verse. Um, whose rest do we enter? It's his rest. Verse 4 gives us some more details, so we're going to look there. It says, For he has already spoken of the seventh day, that's of creation in this way, and God rested on the seventh day from all his works. From the very start, God is in this rest. It's his rest. It was not onerous for, for him to create the world. He was not tired from doing it. He simply spoke it into existence. But he still enters this rest. He still chooses to. The story he gives us in the Bible is of him entering his rest and then him drawing us into it. Simply put, to know his rest is to know salvation, to come into the presence of God, to be right with him. This passage isn't talking about taking a full day off work every week, although that's a good thing to do. This passage is about knowing the rest of God, it's knowing peace with him, knowing salvation. So why does God describe salvation as entering his rest. Why does he use that language? Imagine if you have a job and you, you go to work and it gets to Friday and your, your boss sits you down and, and they're like, you've, you've worked really hard this week. Like you, you got here early, you, 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 sh you showed up, you, you did all your tasks, you sent those emails, you um, did whatever you had to do. Here's your salary. You'd be thinking, what? This is, what do you think I'm here for? <laughs> it's an obligation. If you, if you work for something, if you have a job, it's an obligation. And if, if, and if they don't pay you, then something is really up. Um, when it comes to having peace with God, when it comes to knowing his rest and knowing salvation, we can't earn our way into it. It is not possible. You, you can't try really hard all your life to, to do good things, to, to try and not to lie and try and be nice to your neighbor and to, to be how you think it means to be moral. You can't do that and try and make yourself acceptable. We have nothing to offer him. He is perfectly at rest but you were given peace with God, and it is a gift. The invitation of Christianity is come to rest, to let your attempts at striving and working for it fall through your hands. You can't work your way into being right with him. 
You can't earn your way into this rest. For those of us who know Jesus, it is simply his gift for us. You don't earn his love. You don't work to get his friendship. You can't earn his forgiveness. So you must rest instead and receive this free gift. God describes salvation as entering his rest because when you follow Jesus, you are made entirely right before him. He will never hold your past against you. It's not like you're tiptoeing around a mean boss who might at any moment bring up a past failure. The Bible says that you are a new creation. Come and rest. Not only that, but your record as if that in every decision and choice in your life, you had made the entirely good, righteous, perfect decision. Come and rest. Other faiths may have you work, not here. Now you have peace with God if you have entered his rest. This is so good. It's like me coming back from, from that hiking. Filthy and exhausted and miserable. We enter his rest exhausted from all the demands of our, of our lives and all we try to do and we find all we need. Why? Because we have a God who asked Jesus gave up his own rest. He took the restlessness that was rightfully ours, the wrath that was meant for us. He took on the cross and in that bought our entry into this rest. And in him, old Tim died too. And, and, so, and so did you, if you know him. In him, me, for all I have done, was, was judged, sentenced, convicted, put to death. In, in, his, in his body, my debt is paid. That there, is, there is nothing for me now that I, that I should work to do, to get. The invitation of Christianity has come to rest. He made us to enter his rest. There is only this place where you will find this rest. Just one. You can't have it anywhere else. You can't have your own Jesus our own attempts at a successful life of, of trying to find the right combination of, of, of family and job and, and purpose will not give us satisfying rest. This is what this passage is telling us. No, there's only this one place. He has made us to enter this rest, and we will be restless until we do. But all may come in. No one is barred from this rest. There's no wall against anyone that, stop, that stops them from coming into this rest. And there'll be no one who does not find this rest to be good for them. Just as you are made to know physical rest, 
you are made to know this rest of God, to enter his rest, to know him, to know his salvation, to be at peace with him. Jesus says the same thing when, when he invites people to follow him. He says, come to me, all who are weary, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke, for it is easy and light. And now, and now a yoke is, is piece of, to go from rest to farm equipment for a moment, is a, is a, <laughs> it's like a, a big thing you put like two cows in, like there are like two big hoops, go around the neck and they pull a piece of farm equipment. So Jesus says, come to me and I'll give you rest. And he talks about this, 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 this almost this burden, this thing that you put around your neck. Why? What, he, what he's told you is, is easy and light, is, is easier than the one you will have put on yourself. And also, because he has told you it is his, who is it in that second hoop is him himself. There is no burden to this life that he does not know. To come to his rest is to know his presence, is to know him alongside you in life. Follow him and follow him. But this does also mean when we come into his rest, when we know his yoke, that if, if, you are, if, you, if those two cows, one of them can't go in the other direction, they're, they're both going in the same way. You can't enter his rest and then turn the other way. It just doesn't work. To, to know him, to follow Jesus, means, means following him. One of those cows can't go the other way. If you, if you take on his yoke, if you take on his rest, you can't go the other way. In this passage... It's talking about these Israelites who, in the desert, and some of them want to turn back. And so we get to the first of two unusual commands in this passage. Of our valid FOMO to start. To enter his rest is God's plan for his people. The passage continues. While the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us fear, lest, or otherwise, any of you should seem to have failed to reach it. What are we to fear? Verse 2 gives us the answer. It says, For the good news came to us, just as to them. So this message of a good God who wants to draw his people into life with him into rest, came to those Israelites in the desert all those years ago, just as it has to us. He even told them of how he would take them into a land called Canaan, which would be a good land where they would know his rest on every side. It was a land described as flowing with milk and honey, which is like Bible speaks like dope. It's like, it's great. Um, <laughs> I don't know any of a biblical reference to milk and honey apart from like it's just great. Um, they get this message like us, but it says that message did not benefit them because they didn't hear it and unite in their minds. It's not talking about unity of other people, it's talking about unity in their minds, that hearing with faith. 
They didn't trust in what they heard. He had spoken to them of a life with his rest, but they don't trust what they hear. Instead, they feel scared. And they turn around and go back into the desert, and they go the other way. So the instruction is to fear not trusting in the promise of rest, not trusting in his good news. The instruction is make sure you trust. We enter his rest by trusting the promise of salvation. Verse 3, we who have believed enter that rest. I mentioned I... I was given um, last week these, these free tickets to, to go to Paris. Um, we had a ton of drama under 48 hours before we were due to take this train. Um, but we realized um, that Rosie and my girlfriend, um, her passport had expired three days, three days before we were meant to go. Um, this is under 48 hours before we were meant to leave. And I was thinking, oh, there goes all those croissants and all those crepes and uh, <laughs> <girl> Nottingham. <laughs> um, thankfully, there was uh, some quick thinking from a friend, and we got this emergency passport appointment um, a few hours before our train was set to leave. What was the one thing we needed to enter France? A passport. It makes sense then to fear that you have a passport to make really, really, sorry, really, really sure you have one. And then, and then you can enter France. If you are really sure you have one, you don't need to fear anymore. You can enter France. <laughs> In a similar way, be fearful that you trust in this good news, that you can enter this rest. And when you do, you will find that there is nothing else that you need to fear now. When you know Jesus, who, is, who lifts up the humble, who is with those who are lowly, who is wise and who is gentle, there won't be any need for fear anymore. If you have him, you don't need to fear anything. So make sure you have him. Make sure you have entered his rest. So do you trust this, this, this good news, this gospel? Is Jesus the one you are following? Do you trust that having repented of all you've done wrong, and following him, you, you will now be saved with him. You are now included in him in eternity. If you do, if you choose to, you'll enter his rest. Perhaps you've never decided to trust in this good news. And, and you can tonight, this passage says, this rest is open. It won't be forever. But this, the train wouldn't have been in that station forever. Or perhaps, a little bit different, you've been in church for a while, and maybe you believe certain things, maybe some big things. Maybe you believe Jesus died, maybe for you. Maybe you think there's some good stuff here, and you think there's some odd stuff, and you have some questions, and that is fine. 
that really is. Perhaps you describe yourself as a Christian, but things are really quite unsure in your mind as to what is going on. Jesus makes a point um, about people in this kind of situation. When he comes to a blind man, and he initially, the blind man is healed just a little bit, and he can see that it's really foggy. What he needs is for Jesus to touch him, Jesus to open his eyes, restore his sight, and Jesus does so. Are things foggy for you when you think about faith? Or can you clearly see Jesus? Are your eyes clouded over? Can you tell, you can't tell exactly if something's real or mirage. You're not exactly sure who Jesus is. If this is you, my encouragement is, the, the encouragement of this passage is, press on. His rest is open to you today. Choose to believe in him. Because just being in, in church, it, it doesn't save you. It doesn't make you a Christian. No more than some of those Israelites who, who didn't believe, they weren't saved by the fact they were just friends with some Israelites who did. Being in church doesn't save you. And simply believing that Jesus died and rose again does not make you a Christian. To, to, to illustrate this, I helpfully stumbled across yesterday a video of an interview between Zane Lowe on Apple, of Apple Music and Justin Bieber. Um, and Justin Bieber said, I believed in Jesus, but I didn't know what it meant to turn away from my sin. I believed Jesus died on the cross for me, but I didn't implement this in my life. It is one thing to intellectually agree, to agree in your minds that at one point in history, Jesus died and then rose again. And it's a completely different thing. That, that, is, that is a great thing to believe, and I'd encourage you, if, if, you are, <laughs> if, you are, if you are new, then that is a big thing to believe. And it begs a lot of questions. Um, but it's another, if you are there, then I would encourage you, because it's a completely different thing to know, yes, Jesus has done that, and he's done that to save me from my sin, and now I'm giving him my life. And now I'm choosing to follow him in all that I do that he will be my saviour and, and my Lord. They're different things. If things seem foggy to you, choose to follow him. If, if you're unsure about where you are, the Bible helpfully gives us a question that we can ask of ourselves that helps us to discern what's going on. Can you point to evidence of having entered his rest? Can you point to evidence of having known Jesus? Because being in his rest, it changes you. There are things you, you didn't want to do in the past that you, you now want to do. There are, there are things you used to want to do that you want to do less. You, you start to want to enjoy worshipping him in times like earlier. 
one thing that I am I'm really grateful for, because I don't know how it happened exactly. Um, I, used to, I used to think I had a really good um, handling of money. I guess it would be like a, a narrative or something I'd often hear, because I, I, like, I would save and I'd be careful, and I'd save my pocket money, and there was like, there was one time I went on like a, a school field trip and I came, came back to my parents with more money than I left with. So I managed to like buy all these toys at the very start and then sell them on for more money. Um, so I used to think I was, I, I was really good at handling money. You know, I was a student and money is tight. And I thought, like, oh, this is just all I can do. And then I realized that the idea of, of giving money away regularly just felt completely impossible. How, how could I possibly do this? Surely I needed to hold on to what I had. And I slowly realized that actually, I really was not generous. I, and I really held on to my money. And I took security in, in, in working out how much I could, um, I could save or how much I could spend on various things. The idea of of, a, of a, an actual amount of money that would mean something to me going out of my account every month to the, the church that I'm a part of, I couldn't imagine getting to that place. And I don't really know what happened, because I can't remember like, being, being in, in, in church one time and just being convicted under the Holy Spirit and like, yes, I'm going to set up a standing order. I don't know if it was I just learned to love his church more, if I learned to, of how he provides or does work in me. But I, I'm so, I'm so, I, I remember when I, when I first like set that up, and was like, okay, I'm gonna, people talk about like giving regularly, I, I, I'm gonna do that. The joy, there's such a joy in that. And I was like, how is this me? Because this is not, this, this doesn't feel like something I would, I would do. This means God is at work. Can you point to, however small, God slowly changing how you work? Because being in his rest changes you. His rest is so great. Make sure you enter it. We come to our, our second unusual instruction in this passage. So we had fear that you enter, that you enter his rest. And now we, in verse 11, um, we get a second instruction in this passage. And this is to all of us, the, the author makes clear. Um, it says in verse 11, let us therefore strive to enter his rest. It's a kind of irony in that. Um, strive to enter his rest. <coughs> Seem to be opposed to each other. And it can seem strange when the author has said in verse 3, we who believe, we who have believed enter that rest. So why are we to strive to enter it? To help us understand this, it can be helpful to hold up two passages of scripture against each other when they mean the same thing, but using different words. So another point in the New Testament, um, one guy is encouraging another person. And, he, and, and Paul says in 1 Timothy 6, fight the good fight of faith. Take hold 
of the eternal life to which you were called. These are both saying the same thing. You need to strive. You were in a fight. Enter this rest. Take hold of what you have. I've been punched properly once. Um, I, was in, I, was in a, I was in a club with a, with a large group of friends um, from, from school, and I hadn't clocked there'd been disagreement between some of the friends I, I was there with and another group of guys. Next thing I knew, I was clutching my face. Um, I'm not, I don't think I'm very good in a fight, clearly. Um, you know what's important in a fight? Knowing you are in a fight. <laughs> and I didn't. Know that the Christian life, entering the rest of God, is something that we are to apply ourselves to. The encouragement here is to strive for, to take hold of what you already have relationship with Jesus. It's not to get it, no, it's a gift. But to know greater joy and life in it to know this rest for all it is and not just an inch deep appreciation of it. Let us not be passive about enjoying life with Jesus and having entered his rest. I think it's easy for us to slip into the dangerous assumption that anything worthwhile can be acquired at once. That for it to be good, there'll be a way that I can have it straight away. We, we love life hacks. We love how I can get that body in three weeks. We love the delivery orders to your door in 20 minutes. These cultural assumptions get into our ideas of faith. That anything good in the Christian experience is just one click and collect away. That you can just be given and just instantly receive mature, experienced relationship with Jesus knowing the fullness of his rest. It's not true. Put it another way. I've been to, I'm not married, I've been to a number of weddings. Tell you one thing, I've never fought at a wedding. Those two, they are so good at being married. Like they, they really own it. I don't think I've ever seen a, a, a better married couple. <laughs> it's not something I've fought. No, they are no less married than a couple in their, in their 50s or 60s. It is that when they have that more experienced marriage, where they have taken hold of what they already have, their marriage, when they have strived for, when they have taken hold of that thing they have, their marriage. My friends, it's for a good of for us to take hold of this rest that we have been given. We who have been brought into his rest, it is good for us to take hold of it, to strive to know it in its fullness, to yearn to know Jesus more. Remember that story of me coming back from a hike, muddy and cold and tired. What? would someone say, if I, if I came back home into a place of rest and just sat on the sofa, shivering and tired and miserable? I hope you would say, well, here is a, is a hot bath. Go and have one. Here is 
clean clothes, put them on. Here is hot food, eat it. I fear that, that some of us, we are in that situation. Having been brought into his rest, we cling on to those sodden free clothes, our restlessness, our old life. When you've been brought into a place of such rest, take hold of this rest to which you've been brought. Read uh, this book, the Bible, which tells us in so many ways of how he will never leave you nor forsake you, of how he took such great cost upon himself that he might have you, of how he works all things to your goods. You will know him in those pages. Carve out time to meet him in prayer. Prioritize meeting with others who know him. Or, or perhaps to kind of pick up on that example from earlier, perhaps when it comes to money, there's something you know you've got no handle over and you are completely under the, um, it's, it's essentially like an idol in your life. You, you don't know freedom, money has control over you. Perhaps for you, you can know the joy of his rest in a greater way by choosing to make some changes there. Finally, we, we do all of this with the knowledge that as we enter his rest, we enter his presence. Because we don't push into this rest alone. You know, like those Israelites were led into the promised land by a man called Joshua, we are led in by the greater Yeshua, or, or what's the same name, Jesus, who knows the depth of your heart and loves you the same, who has entered that rest and is now calling you in after him. This is why it is it's logical, and next week or the week after, the instruction after the passage we looked at today is, says, let us then draw near to God with confidence for he, for he is drawing us into his presence. The promises of God uh, to those Israelites in Exodus 33, chapter, um, verse 14 says this, and they hold for us my presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. His rest is really, really good. It's the only place that you will find the rest that you were made to know. The only place you'll find the rest that you need. Make sure you enter it. If for you, you know that actually you haven't taken hold of this thing at all, that you haven't grasp these promises that you haven't said, Jesus, I'm going to follow you, then perhaps this evening you need to grab someone, myself, someone actually at the front, a friend you came with, and, and make that decision. Or perhaps for you, there's an area in your life where you know, oh, there is, I, there is more 
fullness of joy in knowing Jesus is available to me that, that I'm, I'm not using. I'm going to pray for us now and then um, we'll close the meeting. Jesus, we thank you that you have done all the things needed that we could enter into your rest, that we could know life with you, that we could come into your kingdom. We thank you that this rest is so good for us. I thank you that whatever happens in our lives tomorrow, if we know you, we have a sure and certain foundation because we have entered this rest that will not be shaken. Well, Holy Spirit, would you empower us to know in greater depth this rest? Would you help us to know the great depth of your love for us? and what it means to have come into your rest. For anyone here who is, who is an, an uncertain as to where they stand before you, would you make it very clear to them? We love you, Jesus. I pray this in your name, Lord. Amen. We're gonna. We're not gonna. As you've seen, have um, a, a song to close. We're gonna close the meeting there. If you're new, then just reiterate we have that welcome evening tonight, um, which will be heading up over there in a moment. Um, if you are new, then yeah, please do um, come and and talk to someone. Uh, say hi. The connect team will be there. And if for you, you know that there is, I, I need to make a clearer decision. I haven't entered his rest, then, then please do talk to someone. You can grab me. I'd love to talk to you. Um, but go, go in peace knowing that you who know him have entered his rest.